Well, this morning's message has to do with um, this whole idea that we're talking about in relation to VBS and Operation Space Camp this past week and, uh, and also the, um, the whole idea of uh, the short-term missions team going out. It's about missions. Now, some of you might remember um, the old movie called The Blues Brothers um, that starred the duo of, from the old Saturday night show, Dan Aykroyd and John Belushi. Um, they played a, a couple of ex-convict wannabe musicians who were trying to raise money for an orphanage um, when they were out on this, uh, this tour. And throughout the film, any time they were asked about their work, they had a standard response. Do you remember what it was, for those of you who are old enough to remember? We're on a mission from God. That's exactly right. <clears throat> and I asked Josh to um, integrate that into our message theme today. And so it's on the front of your bulletin, um, those two characters. I don't say that you, I'm not advocating to the missions team that we're sending to Nicaragua that you take the same toolkit that, uh, that Elwood and Jake took. Um, but all the same, um, I think we can identify with these things. I mean, here, here's the idea, the very idea, the whole premise of the joke of the movie um, was based on these two unlikely characters, these inept, unworthy human beings. And yet they found a sense of purpose and a, a sense of uh, direction. Well, let's play the clip, Josh. Can we play the clip? Trade the Cadillac for a microphone. Then you lie to me about the band. Now you're going to put me right back in the joint. They're not going to catch us. We're on a mission from God. Well, me and the Lord, we got an understanding. We're on a mission from God. Would it make you feel any better if you knew that what we're asking Matt here to do is a holy thing? You see, we're on a mission from God. We need this gig. We're on a mission from God. Now, you may not be one of the Blues Brothers, but here's the story of your life, too, is you and I are both on a mission from God. Everybody, every human being on earth has a mission because we're called here, we're put here for a specific purpose. You know, my personal story includes a chapter back when I was 25, and what I experienced was um, what I can only refer to as, a, as an early midlife crisis. I was searching for the purpose and the direction of my life. Uh, in all the material success that I, would, that I was having, I couldn't find uh, any sense of peace or happiness. I couldn't find a sense of purpose. I, I didn't know what it all meant, and so I, I was on this this search. I was kind of on this quest to try to identify what, what life was all about. And, uh, and, and, and here's what I learned. That you and I were really created to have this sense of purpose, to have a mission. That our life really counted for something. We were made to make a difference, to have an impact. But here's something else I learned. That if we don't pursue that which God has ordained for us to pursue uh, and find His purpose then we'll certainly find a substitute. You see, we can't live in the absence of purpose. And without an authentic mission, without a real charge, we'll be tempted to drift on autopilot. Uh, John Ortberg, in his, uh, in his book called uh, Shadow Mission, says this, to let our lives, this, uh, this, this idea of a shadow mission would allow our lives to center around something that's shallow, something that's selfish, something that's dark. And in today's world, uh, would you agree with me that there's a million things that demand our attention, that vie for this, this first place in our life? 
And uh, it's easy for us to slide into this this shallow, um, trivial pursuit, self type of uh, of fulfillment. Um, take a look. He, he listed in his book uh, the top test, the top ten shadow list missions that, that that is on there. Number ten, shop till you drop. Nine, climb the ladder first, put other people second. Eight, looking nice by avoiding conflict. Five, uh, we hear this a lot today. It's all about me. Four, show me the money. Does that sound familiar? Um, three, I don't care who's really in charge as long as it's me. <laughs> I don't care how you do church. Let's just do church the way I like to do church. You see? That selfishness, that self-centeredness. Number two, can you relate to this? Busy, 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 busy. There, is there any time for anything else? Do we really take the time to ever reflect? Do we ever come with a sense of solitude? And quiet our spirits long enough to really get in touch with God, with what God really intended us to be, or is it the next soccer game, the swimming pool, the next baseball game, the basketball coaching, whatever it might be? And this, the number one top ten shadow mission, just give me home, health, and a hefty 401k. Can you uh, understand that? Well, the question really becomes, who do we want to be? We can do some really impressive stuff but that aren't really connected to God's purpose, but what we take into eternity is really who we become. So let me ask you, this is a simple question. What drives your life? Everyone's life is driven by something. The whole idea, this, this, word, this word drive is a, is a verb, and it's defined as to control, to, to direct, to guide. So whether you're driving a car, whether you're driving a golf ball, whether you're driving a deal, whether you're driving a nail, doesn't really matter. You're controlling and directing at that moment. So this morning, I want you to just ask yourself, just take a minute while you're sitting here and just ask, what is the driving force of my life? You see, right now, you might be driven by a problem. You might be driven by a pressure. You might be feeling driven by a deadline. You may be driven by a painful memory or something that's hurt you deeply in the past. And that just, um, you're just having a hard time getting over it. Um, in the last several years, I've experienced uh, um, some, the death of some close people in my life. My father passed away just last year, and some of my closest friends, and my brother in law, and my brother just certainly earlier than that. And I have to tell you, there was just a lot of grief in my life that, that really has a, this sense of toll. So sometimes it's a painful memory or a haunting fear. Or sometimes it's just this even unconscious belief. We're not even really cognizant of what is driving us because we don't stop long enough to ask ourselves, what's controlling my life? What, what's the consumption rate? So today, I want you to realize there could be a thousand circumstances Hundreds of situations that, that, that influence our values and our emotions that can drive our life. All I'm asking for you to connect with this morning is what's driving yours. See, early in life, um, I was driven by materialism. My desire to acquire was uh, the whole focus of my life. Um, to let, let you know a little bit about me, um, I set a goal to be a millionaire by the time I was 30. That's what drove my life. You can see why I was kind of miserable by the time I was 25. Now, it wasn't because I wasn't successful. 
The more success I achieved, the emptier I felt. That was what the puzzling part was for me. Now, you can also tell how old I am because a um, million dollars back then used to be a lot of money. And it's not the same significance anymore. But I was driven by this sense of materialism. I thought that my happiness and my personal fulfillment would be um, secure forever if I just had enough money. Then I'd be happy. And then I'd feel fulfilled. And, and you want to know something? The total opposite was true. It was a really painful but a very good lesson. Now, here's what, here's what I learned. I learned that self-worth and net worth are not the same thing. Self-worth and net worth are totally different things. Real security can only be found in that which can never be taken from us. And that's the very relationship that God's given us with himself. I, I'm so... Uh, I can't tell you how, how relieved I am that there are so many promises in God's word where he tells us and reassures us that he'll never leave us or he'll never forsake us. That there's nothing that can separate us from him. That not our own sin, not our own schnookedness, not our own selfishness turns us off enough that God would turn his back on us and leave us on our own. I can tell you that's refreshing. That's this thing that we come to know as grace that is transforming, that allows us to even think about and live out this aspect of mission in our life, this whole thing with purpose. You know, I believe, and the Bible says, that nothing matters more than knowing God's purposes and, and living that out in our everyday experience. And you want to know something? Nothing can compensate for it. Um, not success, not wealth, not fame, not pleasure. Without purpose, life is just motion without meaning. It's activity without direction. It's an event without any sense of reason or purpose. And without a God-given purpose, life becomes trivial. It becomes petty. It really, um, it really gets to be kind of pointless. The Apostle Paul felt so strongly about this that, that he wrote in Acts chapter 20, My life is worth nothing unless I use it for doing the work assigned to me by the Lord. The work of telling others the good news about God's wonderful kindness and love. You see, without God... Life has no purpose. It, it has no sense of meaning. And without meaning, life has no significance. It has no sense of hope. Scripture tells us in Proverbs that hope deferred makes the heart sick or it makes it sad. It makes our life empty without a sense of hope. That's a sense of purpose. That's a sense of, well, what do I get up for in the morning? Well, what am I giving my life to? What, is, what are my energies about? What, what does it all matter? Without that sense of purpose, there is no hope. But, but Scripture also tells us that as we realize our God-given abilities, our giftedness, that there comes this great joy. And Scripture describes this joy as, as a fulfillment of our life, of realizing who God made us to be and how we're to respond to Him. And so we see the evidence that the New Testament talks about as the fruit of the Spirit. Those things like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness self-control. It transforms our life into who God really made us to be as we start responding to Him. Listen, there's nothing quite as potent as a focused life when lived on purpose. Here's how uh, Paul 
described it in Ephesians 1.11. Can we put up that scripture? It's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we're living for. Long before we first heard of Christ, we had, he had his eye on us. He had designs for us for glorious living, it says. Part of the overall purpose he is working out in everything and in everyone. Now, here's one of the keys to this in understanding this. The one essential thing in all of this is having an identity and a vision of God and the reality of his kingdom. You see, when Jesus taught the disciples to pray, when he taught us that familiar prayer that we say the Lord's Prayer, some call it the Our Father. He says, thy kingdom come. So oftentimes we we just we repeat that prayer. It's just a rote thing. And we're by it before we even know what it means. So let's just slow it down for a second this morning. Jesus teaches us to say, thy kingdom come. He's saying, Father, it is your kingdom. Let it come forth. And he goes on and he says, thy will be done. Father, it is your will that I came to fulfill. And then he goes on and he says something else that's really profound. And he says, let it be done on the earth as it is in heaven. On the earth is a significant phrase for you and I because he works out his purposes here on the earth through people like you and I, through people like Jake and Elwood. As unworthy, as unequipped, as, as, as poorly as we sense, God's mission is fulfilled in the earth through the power of His Holy Spirit that He puts into us to work out through what He wants done. You see? It's not about our ability. It's not about our looks. It's not about our uniform. It's not about our equipment. It's about the person and the presence of the Holy Spirit that is an unyielding power that He has to reveal to you and through you to see everything that he wants done, done. This business about the kingdom, this kingdom business, is something that we need to pay attention to. So, what I want you to just start wrapping your minds around this morning is this idea that the life mission, our life mission, is about becoming what God created us to be. It's about responding in his call and his purpose in our, our very existence. You see, Jesus had a lot to say about this. He says to the Father in John's Gospel, in the same way that you gave me a mission in the world, I gave them a mission in the world. He's talking to the disciples that he's ministering to there, and the timeless Word of God directs that, that message to us. You see, we were made for this, this assignment, this mission, because God is always at work. He's always up to something. He's always doing something. And, and he simply wants us to join him. He wants us to participate. He wants us to, to be engaged in the very things that he's doing. And fulfilling our calling on the earth is one of God's primary purposes for our lives. Um, I don't know if any of you remember the old movie Chariots of Fire. Eric Little is a, is a Baptist missionary that is running. He's a long-distance runner. And he says, uh, when I run, I feel the Lord's pleasure. And anytime you see him run, he's throwing his head back and this smile comes across his face. And you can just kind of see the power of God, you know, using his natural abilities to excel. I pray that that's our experience. 
that when we are about the king's business, we feel his pleasure. We experience his presence in all that we do. You know, this, this whole idea of mission, our English word for mission, comes from the Latin word, which means sending. There's an action involved. There's this direction. And so being a Christian means being sent, means being a sent one. Um, Jesus says this to us in John 20, 21, and he says, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. He, this, this idea of you can't stay where you're at. You have to be moving. Even last week in our message, we saw that Jesus, on his way, healed the blind man. There was this activity. He was going somewhere. So what is this sense, this real calling in this thing called mission? Well, I'm glad to tell you that we've been resonating on that theme in the church continually. It's a core value of ours here. It's simply being a friend with faith. It's simply sharing that simply what God is doing in our lives with other people in a real practical and a real natural um, way. There's nothing spooky about it. You know, my sense is when we stop being religious, we'll start getting very spiritual. There's a difference. Do you understand what I mean? We go through all the we go through all the motions of being religious, but we miss the very thing on why God has made us, and that is the purpose of of being on task for Him. Did you share with other people, those in our immediate environment, um, all the things that He's just doing in our lives, the simple things, and yet some of the profound things as well? Introducing people to God, helping them make their life-changing connection with. With the creator of all things, isn't that something if you can just tell your friend a little bit about the one who made all and encourage the him or her to know them too? That's something profound. You see, the Bible tells us, 2 Corinthians 5.18, I don't think I have a slide on this, but the Bible says Christ changes us from enemies into friends, which means we were separated from him. And yet... Through his work, through his redemptive work on the cross, he made us his friends. He made a way. And now he gives us the task to make others his friends too. So it's really a pretty simple thing. He saved us for a purpose, that we might share his love and his purpose with others. So they might know him too. And then verse 20 goes on in that text, and, and it describes us as Christ's ambassadors. I, I said this to the, to the, Guana, or to the uh, Nicaragua team earlier that they're going to serve as Christ's ambassadors in Nicaragua. They're representing their families, their friends, the church. But more than anything, they're representing Christ to the people that will experience. But you want to know something? What is true for the young people we're sending to Nicaragua is exactly true for your life and for my life, too. Where is God sending you this week? What plan does he have for your life this week that in the 10 or 12 square feet that you're going to occupy, that you'll have even eternal influence on somebody else's life because the presence and the power of God shows through you, shines through your character, is reflected in your words, is reflected in, in your kindness. So in other words, this whole idea about mission is that we're simply messengers of God's good news. That's pretty exciting stuff, isn't it? You know, in, in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 28, there's this climactic end to the story. It's known as, uh, as the Great Commission. The context of this is uh, Jesus, um, the resurrected Christ, is here on the earth and he's 
pointing some things out, some last-minute instructions to the, to the disciples before he ascends into heaven. And, uh, and he says this. He says, go into all the nations and make people disciples. Share the, the love of Christ. Share the good things of God with others that they might believe too. That's this business about discipleship. It's not just about seeing somebody come to Christ. It's us walking along with others so that, as we saw the young children here, they grow as a generation deep and steeped in the things of God and His purposes. That's the true aspect of discipleship. There's more than just bringing people to Christ. There's walking along with them through the thick and thins of their lives when they're dry and when they're crabby when they're happy and when they're sad, when they're joyous occasions and when they're experiencing grief. That's all part of the discipleship process. And, and, and the series that we just finished as a church talked about that, all those metaphors about who we are as the church, the body, and living together one with another. That's how discipleship is lived out. That's how it happens in our experience. It doesn't just happen in Sunday school. It happens in our, in our everyday lives. And so this, this whole business here about the Great Commission is uh, this assignment was given to every one of us, not just pastors and international missionaries. Um, you see, God made us to just share this, this activity that he's doing in our lives. We call it the good news, the saving grace of God. And, and you know something? I don't care where he sends you this week. If you're a pilot and you're traveling, maybe, you're, maybe your baggage looks like this that you're taking with you. And, and in there is the good news as you travel nationally or internationally to go. Um, maybe your mission looks completely different. It has nothing to do with, uh, it has nothing to do with traveling internationally. You're just going to the office. Every day you're going to the office. You're taking your briefcase and your stuff and dutifully going to the office to work out that which God has given you. And so you have this whole arena that is your mission field in the boardroom or in your cubicle. Or maybe you're a teacher. It's in the classroom. Maybe you can't relate to that and say, well, I'm, I'm not in business. That has nothing to do with me. I'm a housewife. I'm a preschool teacher. I'm, I'm, I'm something that would... Carry a purse like this. <laughs> and so that's your mission field. You know, maybe you're just, it's hot and you're just going to the pool. Or you're going to play soccer. So you just, you know, your, your, your baggage container looks like this. You're just, it's just something to take your stuff with when you're going to the soccer field. And you're dealing with other soccer moms. You see, it doesn't matter what this container is. Each of us is given a sphere of influence is that unique, is unique and very, very strategic to you and you alone for God's kingdom business. One thing that you'll know about God is although he can appear very random, he's very, very strategic. Do you want to know he's so strategic that he has you sitting in this place at this time right now? For some very interesting reasons. There's a purpose that God has for everything. And so part of it is us just, just embracing what God is doing and participating and being a live part of that, an activity of that. 
So what I'm encouraging you to do is just start looking around your personal space, whatever 12, 14 square feet that you inhabit at that particular moment, and start praying and asking God, what's he up to? And start revealing it to you so that you can be a greater part of that. I love the phrase from uh, St. Francis of Assisi. St. Francis of Assisi uh, always said, preach the gospel always. Everywhere you go, preach the gospel. And use words when you have to. You see, the idea is not what I say. How do I act? What is my character? What's my behavior? How do I respond? Am I on time at work? Are my assignments done? Are they done with excellence? Do I have a sense of positive attitude? Am I encouraging to be around? What do I share in the lunchroom? All reflects who we are as an ambassador of Christ more so than anything you say. Again, it's this difference of being religious, this piousness that we could put on, or a true spirituality, which is the life of Christ that radiates from our very spirit. And I know that you can tell the real deal from the false deal, can't you? There's something about authenticity, something that is real. When people are real, you know they're in touch with the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. And it creates a hunger and thirst to know more. That's when people start asking questions you're a peculiar person. What is it about you? And the doors open and we start to be able to share just the simple things that God's doing in our lives. Listen, if Jake and Elwood are probably not the best role models in the world to fulfill this mission from God. We always use the apostles. All I'm doing is we're kind of lowering the bar a little bit today to see, you know, we all qualify Maybe on the spiritual meter you think, man, I'm glad I'm not like Jake and Elwood. I'm a lot higher than they are. But I know some of you here are saying, man, that Jake and Elwood, um, they've got the uniform. They've got this mission from God. I could never, I could never do that. I could, I could never relate to that. Um, you know, it's just about getting in touch with just the avenues that God brings you. Um, this week I had an interesting week. Now, I was kind of amped up because I was, I, was I was thinking about this message and praying on this message. But it, it did make me a little hyper aware of the places I was going and the presence of God to try to identify what he was doing. And it was really, he sent me some really interesting places. On Tuesday, I had the privilege of going down to the State House, the Ohio State House, and um, doing some advocacy work. It's not something I do every day, but we were down there talking about issues with legislators about what's going to influence the upcoming state budget because there's a chance that there's going to be some really big cuts going on. So we were down there talking about issues that impacted poor people, things like hunger and, and things like um, paying their bills, things like unemployment. Um, this payday lending thing was another issue. And I'm not a lobbyist. I don't pretend to be. I went with a friend who was kind of on the point with the thing, but he had been after me to go down there with him. And I went, well, life's an adventure. You're on a mission from God. Why don't you go be down to the state house? Let me tell you, it was like being in a foreign country. I had never been to the state house other than on like the tour. I'd never been to the state house. And so I'm sitting in the senator's office. And <laughs> I got to tell you, it was a little intimidating. You know, there's... The ceilings were like 90 feet tall. Well, not 90 feet, but it, they weren't an inch under 18 feet, I swear. And the furniture and all the trappings of this power, this political power, 
It was just so different for me. It was like being on a foreign mission field. It was like I was, you know, I had my sincere suit on and, you know, there's things, only things you can say and do, then there's certain things in the state house that you shouldn't say and you shouldn't do. Now, I, I can tell you that there was no miraculous conversion. As much as I was praying in my spirit for my Congress people to have a conversion, <laughs> it didn't happen in front of me at least. Maybe it happened afterwards. But it was just kind of a fun experience. It's kind of the attitude that we take in it. Uh, Wednesday was another interesting experience. I was at a fundraising conference. And so this whole room, there was probably 300 professional people, all very well appointed, all really, really smart. And I, you know, I kept saying, you know, God, what's my purpose for being here today? It was interesting how many doors he opened up for me that day to just reconnect with people, cultivate a relationship, and just practice his presence that was with me. Now, in all these things, I always pray, God, may your spirit go before me. God, would your spirit be with me and in me, in your presence while we're there? And Lord, would you remain there long after I'm gone? Because I don't always know what God's up to, but I know he's always up to something. And it's not restricted my agenda. It's restricted to his agenda, and he can do whatever he wants. But most of the time, he calls for us to cooperate with him. You, you get what I mean? So here's the question. Where were you this week? And what were the activities that God was doing in, in, in your sphere? Probably a more important question is, where is he sending you this week? Is he sending you to the pool? Is he sending you to the golf course? Is he sending you to a meeting? Maybe you're traveling? Um, there's all kinds of things that, that God is up to this week, and he has plans, particular plans for you. So all I'm trying to do is encourage you to kind of get um, in touch with that and embrace that. You see... Um, there's people on this planet that will never know the saving grace of God unless you share it with them because they're strategically put right in your wheelhouse. They're right there. Now, I know what you're thinking at this point. You're saying, Scott, you're an idealist. Um, you don't know my circumstances. You don't, my, you, know, you don't know my situation. And you want to know something? You are right. You're dead right. I am an idealist. Because my ideal is Christ. I believe that the word of God is true. And that it serves as the plumb bob for us to pattern and live our lives out with. So absolutely, I'm an idealist because I'm a Christ follower. And I believe what the Bible says is true. Now to your other point, I don't know your circumstances. You're also 100% right. I have no clue of what's going on in your life right now. And you know what? I probably never will. But I know the one who does, and so do you. And my encouragement to you today is to just pause for a few minutes and try to get in touch to listen to what he's saying to you because I believe that he's speaking to you right now. His purpose and his plan will, will cultivate this, this clarity as you uncover your very, his very calling for you. And as we think about this, this whole aspect of how we do this, I'm here to tell you that we have this thing that, that God describes as grace to help us live that out and make that a reality. Now, it's fair to ask at this point, what's it going to cost me? There's always a hook. And, and today, I'm going to tell you straight up. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. 
I'm not going to soft sell it. It's going to cost you everything. Anything worth anything is going to cost you something. It's going to cost you laying down your own personal agenda and taking up what God's agenda is. It's going to prefer his kingdom business over your personal agenda and your personal comfort. And picking up that mantle and responding to that call is not uh, always an easy thing. You'll experience challenge. You know, the enemy could care less about your life as long as you're not any threat to take anybody else to heaven with you. He could care less. But when you start following the purposes of God, you're probably going to experience some, uh, some resistance to that. But here's the payoff. As we think about this, Father, not my will, but yours be done. Father, you send us to do this. Here's the payoff. When we, when we commit to living God's mission in our life, we begin to experience the power and the presence of his Holy Spirit like few people have ever experienced. The Old Testament, there's a scripture that says, the eyes of the Lord search to and fro throughout the whole earth that, that he would identify one, just one, who would be fully devoted to his purposes. Just one that he might use. Just one that he might, that he might um, send. My prayer this morning is that that would be us. I want to be one of those people. I want to be a difference maker for the kingdom of God to be in about his business. My own life verse um, consists of uh, Matthew 6.33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. My, my translation of that is, as I seek God first and, and think about his kingdom business and engage in that, I mean in a serious and in a meaningful way, everything else will pretty much take care of itself. I know that I was made for a mission. And... I can tell you, I'm busy following hard after it to try to achieve it. I desire to hear at the end of my life, well done, good and faithful servant. I desire to hear, well done, mission accomplished. You've followed after that which I've called you to be, what I've called you to do. And this morning, I challenge you to embrace the very purpose and the very mission that God's created you for. Pray with me. Father, this morning, all things that we talked about, from the music encouraging us, from the, the children singing encouraging us, the youth team going on a short-term mission trip to the message itself prompts us to, to confront this issue, Lord, of what is our purpose, how have you made us, and um, what would you have us do? Lord Jesus, I pray that it would be said of us, well done, good and faithful servant. Father, could we have the boldness of praying this morning that your mission, the Great Commission, becomes my mission, becomes our mission. Would we have the courage to pray, Father, your kingdom come and let your will be done through us, through me. And Father, would we have the courage today to pray, here we are, Lord. Send us. Use us this week in our work situation. 
Use us this week at school. Use us this week on the mission field, at the pool, wherever we go today. Father, with the grace of your Holy Spirit, empower us and direct us to fulfill the great calling that you've given us to share your love with others. Let this come, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Hey, thanks for coming out this morning. Um, I'm looking forward to talking to you next week because I'd love to know what the Lord's doing in your life. It'll be an exciting week for you, I hope. There's going to be some really nice people down here praying. If you have a prayer need um, or you have someone that you'd like to talk about, about a spiritual issue, there's going to be some really nice people down here praying. For the rest of you, be released. God bless you. If you're a guest here, make sure you pick up a cup of coffee or a special drink on us. And, and before you go, be a person of mission. You introduce yourself to somebody that you're sitting around who you don't already know. Okay? Let's practice this value of being a, a, a friend with faith. God bless you. Have a great week.